Welcome to Wellness and Wisdom with me, Dr. Nadu Tuwakli. Here you can expect to hear conversations about everything women over 40 care about. From optimal wellness and peak performance, from intimacy to travel and finances and more. I will be speaking to interesting women and sometimes men to educate and motivate you to live your best life. If you want to find out more, please head over to my website, drtwarkley.com or subscribe to my blog. You can also read my book, Sex, Sanity and Sleep. We are in this together. Today, we're talking about being overweight and obesity, specifically medications that are being used to treat these conditions. Are you tired of being told that you're overweight or that you need to lose weight when you go to the doctor? I totally understand. However, it's really important. Over 74% of US adults in the United States are overweight or obese, according to the CDC. And that includes 43% of obesity, meaning that those are the people who have a BMI over 30. A BMI is a measurement between your height and weight. Adults between the ages of 50 and 59 are more likely to have obesity. And weight loss is recommended for anyone whose BMI is above 30 especially if they have medical problems such as prediabetes, diabetes, hypertension, and other conditions like hypothyroidism. Surprisingly, the District of Columbia has the lowest obesity rates in the nation. Ah, who knew? So they are 27%, and West Virginia has the highest with over 40%. But it is critical to your health that you lose weight if you are overweight. Weight control and exercise is going to give you countless anti-aging benefits, including improvement in your energy, improvement in your sleep, increased longevity, less likelihood of developing diabetes and cancer, improved self-esteem, improved lung capacity and endurance, improved overall mood, and of course, less cellulite. So lifestyle interventions are the cornerstone of any weight loss program. And these include exercise, nutrition, behaviors, adjustment, sleep. Despite the claims that you see online, weight loss is not easy. It's not simple or fast. Anything that promises that is probably a scam. Lifestyle changes require commitment. They're meant to improve your overall health and your relationship with food and exercise in the long run. When it's not achieving its goal, meaning the lifestyle changes, there are several prescription medications that are being used for weight loss. And it's important to know what these medications are. It's also important to know that they don't work alone. They work best when added to a lifestyle adjustment. Bariatric surgery can be considered when all options have failed, but it's an option for people who have a BMI over 40 and who have medically related problems. Surgery is obviously a drastic option and should not be taken lightly. So as far as exercise is concerned, the experts recommend at least 150 minutes of moderate exercise each week, and this should include some kind of resistance training. Today, however, we are going to focus on a new group of medications that were designed to help diabetes but because of the weight loss that they produce, they are all the rage and many pharmacies have actually run out of it. These medications belong to a class of drugs known as semaglutides. And to help us discuss 
what these medications are, what they do, what the side effects are, how much they cost, and basically everything about them. I have a practicing pharmacist by the name of Dr. Zuri Hawkins Jarrett, who is going to help us understand this group of medications and exactly what's going on. When a drug is short, when in short supply, the FDA does allow compounding pharmacies to compound this medication. And unfortunately, at this point, we are short in the pharmacies. The semaglutides, I will mention that we're probably going to refer to the, the trade names. Neither Dr. Hawkins, Jarrett, nor I are paid by any drug company. So if we use the names, it's just because it's a lot easier than saying semaglutides all the time. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Hawkins Jarrett, otherwise known as Zuri. She has a doctor of pharmacy from the University of Georgia, and she also has a master's of public health, like me, in prevention science from Emory University. And she's also done two years of residency in specific areas of pharmacy. Currently, she is working at Kaiser Permanente, as a clinical pharmacist specialist, and she also works as a hospital pharmacist at Piedmont Fayette. So welcome, Zuri. Welcome to my podcast. Hello. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Very happy to have you, and thank you for taking the time out in your busy schedule and with your new baby to come to my podcast. <laughs> Zuri has a yes. six-week-old baby. Wow, that's exciting. Yes. <laughs> so first of all, let's just talk about the names of the medications that fall under semaglutides. Right now, all the rage, Ozempic. You'll see that everywhere, news headlines. Um, so Ozempic is a once weekly injection that is available or also known as semaglutide. We also have weight loss indication under the name Wagovi. So you may see that one mentioned, which is also a once weekly injection. And then lastly, there is Rebelsis. So you'll see that, but that's an oral option that's to be taken daily. So, um, but they're all known as semaglutide. <laughs> so sometimes you may have to be specific in which one you may be requesting, or if you're looking for a specific type of what we call, um, dosage form, whether injection or oral, it may have a different name. Right. So two are given by injections and one mm -hmm. is taken orally on a daily basis. Now, correct. I've heard of Munjaro. Munjaro, how is that mm -hmm. different? So Munjaro is also in the same class of medicine, but it's actually known as terzepatide. So it has a little bit of a different uh, generic name, but it does work the exact same way um, in terms of it being used for things like weight loss or for diabetes as well. Um, it's one of the newest ones out there, though, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. So do these medications actually work to lose weight and how much weight can one anticipate losing? Yes, so they are very effective and that's what they found. It was originally used for type two diabetics to help in managing their blood sugars. But what they also saw in clinical trials was that patients were losing large amounts of weight. 
um, when they were taking these medications. So they're actually very effective for that. I use them um, quite often if we've exhausted some other options for patients. I've seen patients losing 20, 30 pounds on these medications in just a few months time. So um, the weight can come off very quickly, um, but it is something that you want to you know, make sure you're prepared for and know that it may either need to take this long term, especially if you're not making those lifestyle changes that you mentioned earlier on to maintain the weight loss or to even help you with losing the weight. Right. So let's say a patient starts taking this specifically for weight loss as opposed to diabetes. Are they going to have to take this for the rest of their life? Or is the weight going to be at least a permanent weight loss? So we do see patients once they discontinue um, something like Ozempic or Wagovi, they can regain weight. So again, that's why it's definitely important to make sure you are also using this as a tool to help in learning some lifestyle modification as well. Um, Because as soon as you stop taking it, you're losing that mechanism So some regaining of weight is definitely a potential. It does say that you can use these medications long term, but at this point, they haven't been on the market for a very long time. So those long term effects of these meds, we just really don't have a ton of information on right now. But they say as long as you can tolerate the medication, you're not having any side effects from them, then you can continue to take it indefinitely at this point, as long as you can afford it. And Affording it is a big deal. Can you tell us how much they cost? Oh, yes. So if you're looking at something like Ozempic or Ribelsis, um, that can be cash pricing anywhere from $900 to about $1,100. If you're thinking something like Wagovi, that is the one that is indicated for weight loss solely, that's about $1,300 to $1,600 a month. And that's cash pricing as well. So these are not, I would say, cheap or um, inexpensive medications. If you do have insurance that will cover it, there are still upwards of copays of like $800, $400. I've seen big variations depending on what who your insurer is, you know, if they cover weight loss drugs or not. So it is something that you will want to be prepared to be committed to if you think this is something you want to do. It will, will cost you. And so even if you have insurance, you're probably looking at a couple of hundred dollars a month for it. Yes. Now, does that apply to diabetics? So this may be a little bit different for diabetics. So especially for things like Ozempic or Ribelsis, they have FDA indications for type 2 diabetes. So typically those are included on formularies. Now you may have a little bit of a higher tier for those drugs, but they're generally covered. But for weight loss, sometimes those are very specific things that have to be in your plan for them to be covered. And if it's not there, then there is no coverage Um, And therefore, even with some of the things like patient assistance programs, um, the coupon cards, there's sometimes you're not able to use those things to offset the cost as well. So it can be pretty expensive. Oftentimes have to tell a patient that they're pre-diabetic. Their hemoglobin A1C is above 5.7. And in general, they're they're not happy to hear that they're pre-diabetic. But now all of a sudden, everyone wants to be pre-diabetic hoping that that will be an indication for them to use one of the semaglutides. Do the insurance cover it for prediabetes? Well, right now it is not FDA approved. 
approved for prediabetes. So um, in a lot of the cases, I'm not seeing it approved for that. So, you you know, they may go ahead and you'll get it from the pharmacy. And then next thing you know, you're getting a, a bill in the mail because they're like, oh, actually, this medicine isn't indicated or they'll hard stop it at the pharmacy and say, you know, we need more information to determine if you're really eligible for this. So for pre-diabetics, you may be in that category where you're having to pay out of pocket if your insurance doesn't deem that you fit uh, the FDA approval for it. But that's not to say I don't have people still wanting it or still oh, trying yeah. it. I mean, folks are like, what do you mean I'm pre-diabetic? That's what it used to be. And now it's like, aren't I pre-diabetic? Do I, mm -hmm. you know, can I just use it? You told me I was pre-diabetic. You know, I told you that so that you would go and lose some weight and do some exercise <laughs> and change your diet. But the point is, even if you take these injections or the pills, just continuing to eat exactly the same way you used to eat is not helping your health. Would you agree? I would definitely agree with that. Now, how do these medications actually work? Can you tell us what they do? So how these medications actually work is actually a, a number of different ways. So one thing that it's going to do is it actually will help to decrease your appetite. So when patients start taking this medication, they'll notice like, I'm just not as hungry. You'll also feel uh, fuller faster. So therefore, the amount of food you're eating will also likely decrease because you just can't fit any more in. And that may, if you do overeat, can lead you to having some issues with tolerating the medicine. It also helps with slowing what we call gastric emptying. So that helps you kind of hold on to the food that you do eat a little bit longer. Therefore, again, helping you feel fuller. And so you're not, again, tending to overeat. And then for a lot of people, it'll also increase that energy expenditure. So therefore, um, you're burning a lot more calories, uh, which helps with the weight loss aspect of the medication. So a couple different ways that is helping the body to maintain or even help you lose weight right. in these cases. Yeah, it, I would agree that it's very effective. And obviously it has multiple ways in which it works. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the downsides. What are the side effects? First of all, let's talk about the relatively mild side effects of the semaglutides. Yeah. So relatively mild are ones that I would say are going to typically go away within the first few weeks of using it are going to be those that affect your GI or gastrointestinal system. So when you start taking it, you may notice that you feel a little nauseous. Some people actually vomit. Um, some feel they have like the pickup and diarrhea. It could all be things that you experience within those first few weeks of utilizing the semaglutides, but then we generally see that those will subside after a couple of weeks. Um, if they don't tend to subside, then it may also be, you know, slowing down in terms of increasing your dose. So maybe we'll keep you on a lower dose for a little bit longer. See if you tolerate that before moving up. So those are the, the ones I would say is the mildest. Some people I would say have low blood sugar, but the way that the medication works is it's actually designed to um, kind of kick in when it detects that you have a higher level of, of sugar in the blood, which is why it's very useful for diabetics. So some, if you don't have diabetes, you may be a little bit more prone to feeling like, oh, my sugar feels like it's dropping or you're getting that signs of dizziness <laughs> or a little fatigue um, that can come when your sugars are trying to kind of rebalance themselves. So those I would say are the lot milder ones that people tend to get over 
within the first couple weeks of using it. And people also need to be careful not to become dehydrated in those first few weeks because of the diarrhea and other issues. Correct. Yes. So you definitely want to make sure as you start that you're staying very well hydrated with things like water. You don't want to go for sugary beverages in this instance um, because that'll just make you feel even more dehydrated. Do you need something like Powerades, Gatorades? I don't necessarily think you need that, but just necessary, making sure you're drinking plenty of, of water as you're getting started and just really throughout because that also helps with weight loss and kind of that feeling of satiety as well. And what about the more severe side effects? Yes. So the downside is there are some that could be more severe. So if you do have any family history of what they call medullary thyroid cancers or just thyroid cancers in general, I would make sure you're having a real conversation with your healthcare provider um, because in those cases, we actually wouldn't want to start something like the semaglutides. So it's very important that you go over uh, your medical history with your healthcare provider before you start. Um, if you notice any lump or swelling of the neck after you start, definitely want to stop the medication and again, contact your healthcare provider. Some people also have uh, an inflammation or some swelling of the pancreas or pancreatitis. So if you have any stomach or back pain that just won't go away, you're vomiting, that is just like, I don't think this is normal amounts. You definitely want to contact your healthcare provider. And then also some people have changes like or kidney problems as a result of using these. So if you notice any changes in your urine, um, blood in your urine, your feet or ankles are starting to swell, muscles cramping, you know, any of that um, as you're getting started, that is something I would just check with the doctor on so we can make sure we, we stay on top of it to make sure you're not truly having any changes there. And do people get gallbladder problems with this? Gallbladder issues can also be something um, that people experience. I will say in all the patients that I've used it in, I've never really seen, but that is something that's come up in studies. So if you do have any history of gallbladder disease or issue there, that it, again, you want to mention that to your healthcare provider before starting. You can make sure we're keeping an eye on things like that. Right. So how long have these medications, this class of medication been out? Yes. So they have been on the market now, actually around almost 10 years as far as some of the older drugs. Now, the newer ones like Wagovi, Rebelsis, those have all been really FDA approved in the last two years or so, Wagovi being the, the most recent so there, or Manjaro actually being the most, most recent within the last year. But this class of medicines, they've actually been on the market for a little while, but mainly using type 2 diabetics. But as weight control, it's only been a couple of years. Correct. For that actual indication, it's only been a few years. So data and information on, again, long-term effects, we're still waiting to kind of see what that's going to look like in the non-diabetic population. Now, I've always been a skeptic as far as new medications. I always sort of step back and let others have the problems before I give it to my patients. So my point is that I would like the patients to understand that this is a new class of medicine for this particular indication. So in actual fact, we're not 100% sure what the long-term side effects are. And a lot of the diabetic medications, particularly stay on the market for maybe 10 years and then all of a sudden they get pulled away because of 
some kind of side effects that happen. And you mentioned thyroid cancer. I know that in the studies, they showed that rats that were given this much larger doses develop thyroid cancer. And I guess that's why that particular indication or contraindication is in there. I just want the patients to have full transparency and then they can make a decision regarding the actual use of the medication. So do you have any other issues that you'd like to mention as far as this particular class? So just some other things that people may notice as they start to to take this medication. One thing is you may hear it referred to as ozempic face or something like that. But basically what happens is you losing or when you're losing so much weight so quickly, um, the skin and the face, the neck, those areas can actually tend to start to sag. So people actually look a little bit older when they start to take these medications. So if you're really, you know, into your skin or you're like, oh my God, all of a sudden I started this weight loss drug and I look 10 years older. You know, that loss of the fat in those areas is likely reason. Sometimes you can go to dermatology. They may prescribe a couple of things to help tighten up those areas. But um, that is something that we see as kind of an off side that I would say um, that a lot of people don't mention. Another thing is if you are, say you're pregnant or breastfeeding or you're wanting to become pregnant, you actually don't want to be on these medications. There's a little bit has been found in the breast milk, but basically uh, we, we know that this can affect the metabolism in infants as well. So you don't want to be on this. And it's actually recommended if you're trying to get pregnant that you actually stop the medication uh, months before. So, you know, if that is a goal that you have, say you're trying to conceive and weight is an issue, they may place you on something like this, but then it's going to be important to make sure you're off of it before you actually um, start that process of trying to conceive once you've lost the weight that, you know, has been recommended for you to, to lose in case if you're using it for that reason, which I have had some patients mention that they needed that help um, as well. So if you're trying to get rid of that baby fat, uh, you you have to wait until you stop breastfeeding or no bef before right. you even right. consider you this because a lot of people will be like oh this is right. an easy way for me to get back to my original weight and give me a couple shots mm -hmm. so um, right. it's it's not recommended in in breast breastfeeding yeah. Right. And one other thing that I would mention as well is, I think you mentioned it earlier, is that when these medications are on short supply, you can actually obtain them from compounding pharmacies. Um, I will say it's not always clear where compounding pharmacies are getting their supply of semaglutide. So I just caution people when they are looking for outside sources or they're like, oh, it's very expensive to purchase it from the pharmacy. Let me just go to a weight loss clinic or a compounding pharmacy because you can get them a little bit cheaper through those avenues. The FDA doesn't necessarily advocate or um, recommend that we use them just because we can't always say how safe that those are because they're not coming from the manufacturer. So that is something that I've seen a lot more of as well. And I just wanted to make sure we mentioned that to people. If you, if you see some of the places advertising mm -hmm. uh, weight loss yeah. shots um, or things like that. Yeah. And I, I did read that when it is compounded, you want to stay away from the sodium-based compounds. You don't want to have too much uh, salt because there are different semaglutides. You can have the sodium, the 
so you have to be careful which one you get, or you may have fluid retention and other things. Right. And that's the thing. Like, like I said, we don't know where is the semaglutide that you're getting because it's not available generically at this point. It's you can only obtain it, you know, and it's um, from the manufacturers at their specific trademarks. So you have to just be careful from what you're getting because um, it's to say, you you know, you're not sure. They also come in a little bit different concentration most of the time than what's commercially available. So then you have to make sure you also know, like, what is your dose supposed to be? <laughs> and how, you, how is that supposed to be calculated? Because um, I ran into an instance where it was totally different. So I had a patient adamant about it. So I just made sure I counseled on making sure you're using the appropriate dosing strategy because your concentration is different from what's commercially available. Now, you mentioned the ozempic phase before, which is basically the loss of the subcutaneous tissue and how it affects how you look. Now, people who have gastric surgery, obviously one of the issues is the huge sagging skin all over the body they get like stretch marks and things. Are you going to get the same thing with Ozempic or is it just the Ozempic face? So you can have similar effects because some people lose weight so rapidly with this drug. Like I said, within a few months time, which weight loss honestly should be over a, a good amount of time because the, the faster you lose it, tend to be the faster you could put it back on. Um, so therefore those stretch marks and anything of like rapid weight loss signs, you can still see with something like Ozempic or Ribelsis. So that's why it's definitely important also to make sure you're using the appropriate dosing strategies and, you know, not try to move too quickly to achieve that weight loss goal. Right. Yeah. Because I see patients who go for the gastric surgery, which I really say you must keep as a last, last, last resort, but they mm -hmm. get the surgery. And the next thing they're making appointments for surgery with dermatologists and plastic surgeons, because they've now got to get all that extra skin removed. And, you know, they're, they're not um, as happy as they thought they might be. Right. So weight loss is a very difficult subject, and it's obviously one that is very uh, critical in the United States. The U.S. diet is horrendous, and you can go to other countries where they eat, for example, the Mediterranean diet, and there's nowhere near the amount of obesity that we have in this country. But I find that the idea that you have to actually adjust what you eat, whatever form of weight loss you choose, you've really, really, really got to work on that, that diet. I know you're based mm -hmm. in Atlanta and we know that the Southern yeah. <laughs> diet is one of the more notorious ones. I, I wasn't yes. trying to call out the South when I was mentioning uh, the District of Columbia having the least obese uh, percentage, but West Virginia has the highest and the rest of the the ones that are like the highest levels are all um, Southern states, actually. So mm -hmm. as a person in the South and who knows about the Southern diet, can you tell us a couple things that maybe we need to just stay away from? Yeah. So, and honestly, when it, my conversations with patients and I'm not a nutritionist by you know, any, any stretch, but a lot of it is having conversations around things like portion control. So I know that they're going to eat 
a lot of <laughs> fried foods, uh, a lot of carbohydrate heavy foods, you know, pastas, rices, breads, you know, those sweets, all of those things. So um, we talk a lot about moderation. We talk a lot about goal setting. So those, you know, you may hear referred to as smart goals, things that are uh, specific, measurable attainable, realistic, uh, timely. So I end up doing a lot um, around saying, well, if we have dessert every night, seven days, like how can we put a goal around decreasing <laughs> the amount of desserts we have? Or if we don't really eat vegetables or all of our vegetables are smothered or covered in some type of sauce or butter, like how can we... Um, come up with a way that you can still have some of these things, but we're decreasing the amounts. So we do a lot of discussions about pulling back on those and maybe only three days a week we'll have this type of dessert and maybe we'll pick a different, like a fruit as an option for dessert for other nights or something like that, just to not pull everything away because even the conversation around weight can be very sensitive for people. And a lot of the patients that I end up talking to, I mean, they're older in age. So they've been eating this way all of their life, especially if they've been in the South all of their life. So telling someone you can't have sweet potato pie every night anymore, like that's a very hard conversation for a lot of people. So definitely setting those goals when it comes to increasing vegetable intake. I tell them to make their plate colorful because if you think about those foods that you're going to eat that aren't as nutritious they're usually going to be beige is what mac i say and cheese. so if your whole plate <laughs> right you know if your whole plate is beige then that's probably a sign we're not getting in enough Veggies. vegetables or even fruits in the diet so like how can we make our plate a little bit more colorful is another way that i um talk to patients about that instead of like you need this many servings right. so much yeah. per day um that's a way that they can kind of conceptualize it and make it make sense as far as that goes. So I don't usually tell people like, don't eat this, don't eat that. It, it becomes more about what are you willing to trade off right now? And then how can we build upon that as we move forward? And I think that seems to work a lot better because the ones that I started saying, you need to stop drinking sweet tea every day. Like I'd probably never hear from them again until yeah. their next A1C <laughs> or something like that is done. Um, and we're having the conversation again. So yeah, it sounds like I'd you're doing take a great job. Um, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Talking about weight is a difficult subject and people do get mm -hmm. um, defensive as soon as you, you mention it, even though they know, I know, I know, I know. So I think that that's great. I think your strategy is, is a, a useful one. I'll have to try doing that. So. <laughs> Yeah, I would say people are more responsive um, and I've definitely seen some things turn around. If I show them I'm not, I'm willing to work with you as long as you're willing to work with me, like I can diet, but that's not going to help you. So <laughs> we've got to talk about what are you willing to do to help yourself in this situation? And I'll help step you through it as much as possible. So those are just some things. So, you know, you don't got to give up everything, but starting to, if you change, change one thing, that means you're you're doing one more thing better than what you were doing right. before. <laughs> that you and everything makes a difference. Going. Everything makes a difference. Right, right. And speaking of making a difference, um, exercise. A lot of people don't want to hear, oh, you've got to do this, or you've got to go to the gym, or play tennis, or do this. But one of my strategies is to say that, you know what, 
can you just walk 15 minutes? If you go 15 minutes this way, you got to get back home, right? So it's 15 minutes coming back. And that little 30 minutes of walking three and four times a week makes a huge difference. So I try to do the same thing as far as exercise to say, let's just do a little bit, right? Because if you start saying, I need you to run four miles once a week or whatever, folks aren't going to do it. But everyone agrees they can walk 15 minutes. They get home, they're tired from work, they're this and that. Can you walk 15 minutes? Just promise yourself you can do 15 minutes worth of walking. And before you know it, you've done three hours for the week, right? So. Right, right. We definitely have a lot of conversations around that as well. And even try to work it into your day. Because I have a lot of people that say, oh, I walk at work. And I'm like, well, is that normally part of your, you know, your work day? Do you have to walk to get to, you know, around the building or whatever? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, well, let's think about it this way. Your body already knows that they need to expend at least that much energy. So to really get you to, you know, to the point of trying to lose weight, we got to do a little bit more. So is there a way you can incorporate taking the stairs when you need to talk with someone on a different floor? Um, is there a way that you could park a little bit further to push you to go a little bit more from what you're normally doing? Um, can you use your lunch break to make it like a walking lunch or something like that to just do something different than your normal routine? Because your body is used to maintaining you. What we're trying to do is trying to help you get into that area where you're actually losing the weight. Uh, so we got to do a little something different in that regard. Well, Zuri, it's been a pleasure. You've definitely given us a lot of tips. And I was really keen to talk about the semaglutides because it's totally timely right now. It's the biggest fad. Everybody wants it. And I feel like people need to know a little bit more about it. And uh, maybe we can regroup again next year and see if they have found any more uh, side effects or there's any additional information because the longer a medication sits on the shelf and is available to people, the more side effects complications we find out. We, we can't find them all out in the first five years. But you've told us that the uh, Ozempic and similar medications definitely work. Uh, they definitely help people to lose weight, maybe lose weight a little bit too fast. And then, of course, as with any kind of medication, it does have some uh, side effects. So we have to work on the, the dosing. And I think pharmacists recommend we start at the lowest dose and then work up with that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And that's usually with anything. <laughs> start low and slow is pretty much the the mantra, I guess, that we live yeah. by to make sure we're giving you the most appropriate Enough thing. to do the job, but no more than you need, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So Definitely. congratulations on your little baby. Uh, that oh, is so that's so exciting. <laughs> I, I love babies. Um, and I, I wish you well. You are, you have done a great job this morning. We really appreciate you stopping by and hope to see you a little bit in the future. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me. And I love to be back to talk about anything. Oh, else. yes. We we have questions about all kinds of medications, even just the basic um, talking about diabetes per se, which we haven't really talked about today. But there are so many new medications on the market for diabetes now that it's kind of mm -hmm. hard to figure out what what's exactly going on. So we will talk to you soon. Okay.
All right. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me once again for wellness and wisdom. Today, we talked about the critical subject of weight management and specifically about the popular Ozempic drug and the same class of medicines, Rebelsis and Wigovi, all called semaglutides. So once again, weight is critical to your health and critical to your well-being, your energy, your sleep, your self-esteem, your longevity, lung capacity, and so many other things. It's not just about cosmetics. So I hope that you have found this podcast today helpful. And if you have any other questions about weight loss, please feel free to contact my office or send me a note on the chat box. And if you liked this podcast, please remember to click follow and like and share it with your friends. Until next time, please be well. And thank you for joining this episode of Wellness and Wisdom.